0: Hello, everyone. This is Martin Willis with the Antique Auction Forum, and welcome to episode number 110 with Leslie Heinman. I hope you enjoy today's show. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. Hi, everyone. I'm on Skype with Leslie Heineman. How are you doing, Leslie?
1: Doing really well. Great.
0: And we're calling you at your Chicago office. Can you tell us right off the bat how, I want to know how you started, because I saw that you opened your first um, auction gallery there in 1982. So mm-hmm. what's, your, what's your background prior to that?
1: You know, I started working for Sotheby's in 1978, and they opened a Chicago office, um, and I was the assistant to the woman who was running it. It was their first branch office that they'd started in America. Hmm. So I started there working. Just I didn't know much about the industry and loved it immediately.
0: Did you have an art background or something?
1: I had somewhat of an art background, but, you know, just a general art history background. Um, I was 21, I think, and, and the woman who was opening their office needed someone just to work with her as her assistant. I um, actually went to shorthand school and learned how to type back in the day when people typed letters <laughs> and um, and just started doing all of the sort of general office work and then really fell in love with the auction business and our office was very successful and grew and We held two auctions in Chicago. Um, One was at the Drake Hotel in 1980, and one was in 81, and they were wonderful, and I, I just really, really loved the industry and thought it was fascinating. I ended up running the office, was manager of Sotheby's in Chicago, and then realized that there was no major auction house in Chicago, and Sotheby's decided not to do other auctions here. So... I decided to open an auction house in 1982.
0: Isn't Dunning's was where is Dunning's?
1: Dunning's is a very good was a very good company. Was yeah. In Elgin, and Terry Dunning, who ran it, um, is a great guy. He still does appraisals. I've known him forever, mm-hmm. and um, and you know he's always he always had a terrific company, but it wasn't a major sort of internationally you know known company. They weren't doing a lot of major advertising internationally. And when I opened, I thought that Chicago needed someone to do upscale marketing. So there were a couple of companies in Chicago. There was a company called Hansel. I don't know if you remember Hansel Gallery. They had been around, you know, forever and ever, And, and Dunnings. But I just felt that nobody was really doing anything major. You know, no one was doing Great advertising or catering to clients all over. So, I kind of kicked it up a notch when I opened.
0: Wow! And what was your very first auction like? Because I know how, the, how they, that can be.
1: It was full of bi's. Uh huh. <laughs> it was um,
0: buy-ins. Yes. Yes,
1: and buy-ins. So what we did was, I you know, I called everyone I'd ever met in the world and <laughs> got together a very nice auction. A lot of dealer property, but it was very respectable property and published a catalog. And, um, and quite a few things didn't sell, but it's, it was very successful. I'd say that 600 people probably came. It was a huge crowd. And, um, and, you know, you could just tell through even our first auction that there was a huge demand for an auction house in the Midwest that would, you know, be very full service. Sotheby's was doing very well in the Midwest. They were, you know, sending major property to New York and London. Mm -hmm. But our idea was the same idea we have still today, which is to be very full service and to handle great property and then, you know, just property.
0: At one point, you sold your auction business to Sotheby's. Is that right? Right, I did. In
1: 1997... They approached me and said that they wanted to be more involved with the, quote, middle market, and they acquired my company.
0: Yes. That, that sounds like a really good payday to me.
1: <laughs> yes, it was a very nice payday. It was great. It was great.
0: So how did that work out with your with the non-compete clauses and all that stuff for you to actually reopen again?
1: Well, you know, they decided after a couple of years of running what was my company, which they called Sotheby's Chicago, to close what they had opened. I left after a couple of years, and they decided to close. So not because I left necessarily, but just in general, I think they decided not to focus on the middle market. And so I waited until my non-compete was up and just reopened. And Sotheby's is wonderful, and I'm good friends with a lot of people there, and, you know, mm-hmm. they refer a lot of business to us, and, you know, we have a very good relationship with them.
0: Oh, that's great. So. Was it a little tough restarting once you had closed, or not actually closed, but once you had sold out? The restarting of a company a lot of times is very difficult. Was How did that process go?
1: You know, no, it wasn't. Actually, it wasn't difficult at all. Um, it was really easy. I, I intended just to open in a small space and to have maybe six auctions a year mm-hmm. and thought, I'll just handle really good property. I'll do, you know... Maybe two furniture and decorative art sales a year, an American painting sale, a contemporary art sale. I thought I would have just a couple of jewelry sales, nothing as busy as uh, what I had done before. And we rented a, or we rented a space, actually, at first and hired some employees. And immediately the phone was ringing off the hook <laughs> right and left. And we were doing appraisals and we were handling property and we did you know maybe 15 million dollars worth of business our
0: first year wow yeah that's really good.
1: good yeah so it's grown since then but i mean we opened and had an onslaught of consignments it's been great
0: so how many auctions a year are you currently doing
1: you know i think we have maybe 50 scheduled this year wow yeah
0: now so- but you have you have uh, auctions also in denver is that right
1: you know, we opened an auction house in uh, Naples, Florida, two, two years or so ago that has been extremely successful. We have three sales a year there, and we ship property from Florida to Chicago through our Naples auction house. And then we opened in Denver last year, and that's been extremely successful. Um, and we're also shipping a lot of property from Colorado in the west to Chicago. And we've also opened in Milwaukee, where we're holding a couple of auctions a year. And shipping property from Milwaukee and Wisconsin to Chicago. We also open in Palm Beach. Wow. So what we're doing now is seeing that there are a lot of markets that are underserved Mm -hmm. and opening auction rooms in these places and holding regularly scheduled sales that are growing and also shipping the more major property to Chicago for sale.
0: Wow. That is quite an operation you have going. Yeah,
1: it's, it's going really well. It's that's good.
0: It. Can we talk about you found an undiscovered Van Gogh still life? Can you talk about that? That's that's amazing.
1: Right. And we found that actually in Wisconsin. Um there's a lot of property in the Midwest that and we find that the more major the two major auction houses don't have the time to, you know go to Iowa and Wisconsin as much as, as we do. Mm-hmm. And we got a call once from a, a nice couple who lived in Milwaukee, and they had some Victorian furniture they wanted us to look at. So we went up and took a look at the furniture, and in a hallway there was a floral still life that wasn't signed. It was signed with a V, and they had said mm-hmm. that in their family they had always called it their little Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. So we did some checking, and we... um you know, spent several months doing research and finally sent it to Amsterdam to the Van Gogh Museum. Um, Anyway, it turned out to be right. It was actually a work by Vincent Van Gogh, one of the only undiscovered paintings discovered in 20 years. And we sold it for $1,430,000 to a Japanese collector.
0: Wow. That must have been very (laughs) exciting. Now, I know uh, occasionally they'll discover a van Gogh that is painted over by other artists because uh you know his canvases were sold as canvas after he painted them a lot of times mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah so what a what a feather in your cap for that one huh
1: yeah it was fun that was fun
0: yeah now can you talk about any other uh in the history of the company some other really interesting finds and sales over the years
1: You know, we've done a lot of um, specialized sales and on-site sales that I've loved. For example, we did the last event ever held at the Chicago Stadium, which is the building that was torn down where the Bulls and Blackhawks played forever. Mm. So we held a huge auction there before they tore the stadium down and sold everything in the Chicago Stadium, from the championship banners to the, you know, toilet signs to the, you know... Just absolutely everything, and it was so much fun. And thousands of people came and and bought Bulls and Blackhawks memorabilia, and that was just terrific. I love things like that. Wow, yeah. We also handled the um, auction of Comiskey Park when they tore the park down. We handled John Belushi's estate. You'd like that. Oh, wow. And that was a huge amount of fun, so we we did that. We've done all kinds of things. Yeah. We handled a great Elvis Presley collection um, a couple of years ago. From a man named Gary Pepper, who started his first band club, we've done everything. I mean, and what what is really fun now is the Asian market. Oh yes. And so we're we're having three Asian works of art sales a year that have been unbelievable to watch. Prices are crazy.
0: They are. I I can't even. I mean, if you could go, only go back in time a few years and buy up a bunch yeah. of the things that nobody wanted. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. Of course, the, the very fine things they always did want. Right. But the, the pieces are, uh, it's very hard to appraise anything like that.
1: Mm-hmm. These
0: days. Yeah. yeah. We did a podcast with one of your workers a while back and a co-host that a lot of people really, really loved on my show, Phyllis Gow. Uh, mm-hmm. is now working with you
1: yes she's wonderful she's yes. terrific she's working with asian she's, she speaks mandarin thankfully
0: yes i think she speaks something like four or five languages something yeah. like that. She's yeah she's very
1: yeah. bright yep
0: she is she's wonderful a lot yeah. of people miss her on this podcast and i get emails now and then where's phyllis so <laughs> Why she's in a go good home out there Let's
1: have her come in and chat with you
0: yeah yeah that'd <laughs> yeah. be great
1: okay i'll find her
0: <laughs> you really are okay great Sure, let me tell
1: Gretchen. All right. Martin thinks it'd be fun to go get Phyllis and have her come in and say yeah, hi. Did I Grab me? her. Okay. She's here. I saw her this morning.
0: Okay, great. Well, hello, Phyllis.
1: Hi, Martin.
0: <laughs> I was just saying to Leslie how much our uh, podcast listeners miss you as a co host, and here you are.
2: <laughs> hi, everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, for the people who are just starting to listen to us, Phyllis was on the first fifty-six podcasts.
2: Wow, it was on that night.
1: fifty-six of them. Wow, I can't believe that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh. So, Phyllis, um, you work. Why don't you tell a little bit about what you're doing at Leslie's?
2: I am doing a lot of things. It's great. We um, business is great. I'm in the Asian Works of Art department. I'm an account executive, so I'm essentially. The assistant to Andrew Lick, the director. Mm-hmm. I do more than that. I do. You know, I assist him, but I, I'm learning a lot from him. It's great. I get to catalog. I get to auctioneer. Um, I get to meet all of our clients. Work with everyone.
1: I, I get a little of everything. She gets to speak Mandarin with people we're having trouble collecting from.
0: <laughs> I, I get to Always other. a fun job, right? <laughs>
1: It's always fun. <laughs> I get to yell at people in multiple languages. <laughs> he does a lot of bidding in Mandarin
2: on mm-hmm. the phone. That's always fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, do your do the items generally come in to the gallery, or Phyllis, are you out on the road a lot?
2: I I get to stay in house most of the time. Occasionally, Andrew and I will have to go out, and you know, if we feel like we owe someone a visit, if there's just too much for them to ship, or. Um, it, you know, it depends on the person. Last week, or I, I, it's so hard to keep track of time here because <laughs> we do so much. I, either last week or the week before, we were in Kansas City just for five hours. We just went, met the guy, took all of his stuff, <laughs> got on the plane and came back.
0: <laughs> wow. That sounds like fun. Hey, Phyllis, did you start right away in that department or did you do... Um, I know you were doing Ashley Silver when we worked together years ago. Did you start right in the Asian department?
2: I didn't. I started um, doing some cataloging for F&D, which is what we call the Furniture and Decorative Arts Department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was an opening all of a sudden in Asian, and I jumped at the chance.
0: All right. Yeah. That was very smart, especially in today's market.
2: I Yeah. No regrets. I'm having a great time. I'm learning so much.
0: Well, that's it. I'm sure you have to get back to work. I got tons of work. <laughs> But thanks so much for coming in and saying hi, Phyllis. Thank you. All right, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. See you later. See you, Leslie. <laughs> Phyllis is wonderful.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Yes, she's she's been she was a, a real pleasure to work with as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over the years. Um, okay, so. Getting back uh, to your auctions, uh, what besides Asian, what, what is really hot to, in today's market as far as your auctions go?
1: You know, the jewelry market is so strong now. We've never seen such a strong jewelry market, and we've been selling a lot of major diamonds um, for really premium prices wow. and stones as well. So we've been doing extremely well with jewelry, and it's one of our strongest categories.
0: You know, I bring this I bring this up it's kind of redundant in other podcasts, but do you think that people are actually taking their money and putting it into the high-end tangibles like this instead of other things like stocks and things like that, real estate?
1: Yes, I absolutely do. I think that people don't know what to do with their cash and a lot of people are buying jewelry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're also buying contemporary art and everything else. I mean, I think that people are putting their money into tangible assets. And the other thing that's really been fantastic, obviously, is that it's such a global market now. So we're in Chicago, and at least 70% of our business, our buyers, are outside of Chicago.
0: 70%, wow.
1: Yeah, and when we sell Asian works of art, for example, about 80% are actually Chinese people. Mm -hmm. So Mm. it's really, really become a very global market, and People, for jewelry, for example, we just sold a pearl for $388,000 and had people bidding from all over the world, including China, India, you know, obviously people from the States, but people from England. It's very, very global now. And it's really been wonderful to watch.
0: Can you describe that pearl? It must be something amazing.
1: You know, yeah, I, I actually... And not... The, our jewelry specialist, I mean, to me, it was just a big pearl. But it was... Uh, let me give you an exact description. I have the catalog here. It was um, beautiful. And actually, the man who gave it to us for sale was a dealer from a small town in Illinois and had no idea that it was valuable. It was quite large. Let me find the description. But... He had been offered $8,000 for it, and we had had it, you know, tested and looked at, and we had thought quite a bit about it, but thought that it should be in really conservatively because, let me find it, it's number 353, hold on.
0: There's really something to be said about being conservative.
1: No kidding. I know, I wish that all consigners understood that and felt good about it.
0: That's right people involved in the bidding and the prices can go anywhere if it's good a good piece.
1: Well, that's the thing. And so this, you know, this was an Art Deco Platinum Onyx and Natural Pearl Necklace. The pearl um, was 16.50 by 12.36 millimeters. So it was big. Mm-hmm. And it had a Gemological Institute of America certificate with it. And it was a really beautiful, large, natural pearl. But... You know, never. We thought it might bring thirty to fifty thousand dollars, and in fact, it brought three hundred and eighty-eight thousand. The and the man who sold it almost sold it for eight thousand dollars, which once again, mm-hmm. you know, proves that the auction process is is the best process. So. Absolutely,
0: it's yeah. always very exciting to sell something like that when it just takes off too
1: yeah it was great fun, yeah I yeah,
0: always love that, so when you're talking about jewelry, you're mostly talking about estate jewelry, older pieces, or does it really matter?
1: No, no, we sell everything. we sell you know estate jewelry and modern jewelry, and a lot of people actually we're seeing a lot of people who need money mm-hmm. selling you know jewelry that they own,
0: just new jewelry
1: wow. love. Them. Lovely things that have been recently acquired. We sell everything.
0: Now, I remember men's watches were pretty hot for a while. Are they still going well?
1: Yes, they still are. And we, we uh, have large sales of watches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a very strong market. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I was speaking to uh, Lee Kino a few weeks ago um, about contemporary art. He's saying that market is just escalating as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. We, we sell a lot of contemporary art. It's one of our strongest categories and and we're finding that you know prices have never been so strong and we do a lot of business in modern paintings also 19th century European and American paintings
0: now do you do a hard catalog for each auction
1: yes unfortunately we do
0: <laughs> very <laughs> we, intense work i know
1: <laughs> well you know i think that the catalogs are lovely and they're beautiful and they're great for consigners because mm-hmm. most of our consigners are Older people, a lot of them are older people, and value a tangible something to hold in their hand. But in reality, so much of our business is done on the Internet now, and Mm -hmm. they're really, you know, not important to do. I mean, people don't really wait to get the catalog to look at what we have for sale, right?
0: Yes, it's a very impressive sales tool.
1: Yeah. when I you're mean, looking for
0: a consignment that's
1: yeah, it means something to the potential consigner, but I don't think that it means very much to the buyer anymore because not everything is illustrated in the catalog and everything is illustrated online mm-hmm. Online catalogs are searchable in a number of different ways and you know they're you can zoom in on photographs and they're just so much better than printed catalogs.
0: I think one of the appeals of the printed catalog is for a buyer of, say, something, a cover lot or something really nice in an auction to have that catalog with the piece is always always a nice thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's nice. It's nice, but we'd save a lot of money if we didn't have to
0: print them. It costs a fortune to print a catalog. So you were on the Home and Garden Network for a number of years. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did on that?
1: Yeah, I hosted two shows on HGTV for eight years. One was called At the Auction with Leslie Hyndman, and it was a really fun, you know, half-hour show that was on at least once a week where we talked about objects that were coming up for sale and then sold them, and the viewer could watch the auction take place of something they'd heard about. Mm. And then the other was called The Appraisal Fair, and we had a team of people that did appraisals on on site so people brought things in and we looked at them
0: Mm -hmm. so you wrote a book called adventures at auction can you talk about that That sounds like a great book i think i want to read that
1: really i don't think you need to read it really Marty. but it was um it's a book that i wrote that's a very good sort of how-to auction book Um, oh i see Uh i found over the years that that novices really would like to understand the process and it's just sort of a how-to book
0: oh i got it okay Well, thank you so much, and I hope you have many great years of wonderful success, Leslie.
1: Well, thank you very much. Fun talking with you.
0: Yes. So this is Martin Willis with Leslie Hyman, and we're signing off. And that was today's show with Leslie Heinemann. You can get to her website. It's com. That's L-E-S-L-I-E-H-I-N-D-M-A-N.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash auction underscore podcast you can like us on facebook and that icon is right on our website which is antique auction you're welcome to contact me or if you'd like to you can leave a comment on our podcasts my contact information is info at antique auction thank you for listening and we'll be back real soon